Welcome to the teaching ministry at Carthus Creek Community Church. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. I've uh, had a little holiday this summer, so I had a little vacation time, which was awesome, and I hope that you've had the same. And uh, last week, I had the privilege of being at the Leadership Summit, and so that was, as usual, always awesome. And uh, so it's good to be able to share with you uh, today some thoughts, not only from the Leadership Summit, but from our study in the Book of Lamentations. Um, A couple of speakers at the summit were really impressive to me. Uh, Probably the first speaker, his name is Bill Heibel. Some of you know that name. And uh, Bill is a seasoned pastor and a seasoned leader. And uh, in his opening address, um, Bill basically went over to a whiteboard and said, you know, the job of the leader is to help people get from here to there. And he talked about that for a while, just how, you know, you're in a room full of leaders and leaders are thinking about how do you get people who are presently here, um, you know, uh, disconnected from the here and willing to move to the there. The there is the future, the there is the unknown, the there is the challenge. And uh, so he talked about that for a little while, and I thought that was just a fascinating definition of what leaders do. They help people move from here to there. And then a little bit later in the uh, conference, there was another gentleman by the name of Mike Minion, and uh, he was talking uh, about this, this space in between. And uh, Bill had done a little bit of talking about the space in between the here and there and how it's difficult because people kind of run out of steam. You get people excited about moving in a direction, and the first little bit is sort of real easy because they're close to home and they're venturing out into a new adventure and they're all enthusiastic and there's a lot of energy. And then when you're getting near the end, if you will, near the crossing line, the finish line, it's also sort of motivating. If you've ever been a runner and you see the tape, you're like, okay, just keep going, right? So that's pretty exciting. But when you're in the middle, in this area here, it's kind of difficult, and it's kind of uh, difficult to keep moving because you need to celebrate uh, the little steps along the way, and sometimes it's not easy to do that. Um, So when Mike Minion came the next day and started to speak, he started to talk about what he calls... Uh, the land of in-between. And I don't know if you've ever been in the land of in-between, but I saw, I saw that phrase come out, and I looked at the little di- diagram, and I sort of went, wow, there's a lot of us who, from time to time, are living in the land of in-between. You may be a college student who spent the last four years in university and you emptied your bank account and and got a student loan and got lots of money and you've, you've, you know, sort of succeeded and here you are, graduation day, and you find yourself going back to the same job you had to put yourself through college to, to earn a wage that you were sort of hoping to advance in and it's not happening. And so you may be that student who's sitting there saying, I'm sort of in the in between. This isn't working the way I thought it would work. Some of us in business, some of you in sales, perhaps real estate, some of the other sales industries, you say to yourself, you know what, back in 2007 and 2008, we did pretty good. And then in 9 and 10, it haven't done that well. And so maybe you used to have a lot of sales and a lot of opportunities and a lot of advanced possibilities, and then you step into this land of in-between, that space in-between where everything isn't going the way you thought it would go, and uh, it's not going very well. Some of us live in the land of in-between if we've been diagnosed with something in terms of our health. You find yourself in this middle space between the past and the future in the present, and it's kind of difficult. 
Maybe you've experienced a divorce or death and you find yourself in the land of in-between. Uh, maybe you're particularly discouraged right now spiritually in your life and you say, I'm living in the land of in-between. I'm right there in the middle of that place in this crisis in my life and it isn't going well. Well, that connected for me as I listened to those speakers the last couple days because we're studying the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament and uh, the prophet Jeremiah is living in the land of in-between. And the prophet Jeremiah is beginning to express some of his thoughts and his feelings and his quandaries and his difficulties and his challenges. And he does it in such a way that I think it has value for us. It can inspire you. It could inspire me. How do you live faithfully to God when you feel like you're in the land in between? Jeremiah. Now, some of you can relate to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. And uh, he had a, if you will, a dirty job. Jeremiah was not the, the guy who brings the checks from Publishers Clearinghouse. Jeremiah didn't have the privilege of bringing the checks and saying, this is your lucky day. And everyone smiled and went, oh, we love this guy. He's so great. He's brought me good news. Jeremiah is more like the police officer who comes to your house at three in the morning and knocks on the door and the parents come down in their, you know, night clothes to the door, and the door opens, and there's a police officer, and say, I have some bad news to tell you. What? Something terrible is happening. Put yourself in Jeremiah's position. He's a prophet. He's come to speak to the people of God, and in fact, for four decades, he spoke to the people of God about the bad news. You know, if you return, and if you repent, and if you follow God, God will bless you. If you fail to return, if you fail to repent, God will not let that go unpunished. And so for 40 years in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah expresses his calling, his faithfulness to God. And um, in many ways, he had a tough job. He was a prophet. If you think about Jeremiah, he wrote this book called Lamentations. And the book Lamentations, the name Lamentations, isn't actually a Hebrew word. It's actually a, a, a Latin word. And uh, this came later. Someone named the book that he wrote, this five-chapter little booklet we'll call Lamentations. And um, that little booklet uh, basically is untitled, but it starts with the Hebrew word ika, which means how. And this is where he begins his book. So until recently, um, the book was entitled How. And you could extend that if you wish. How come? How is it that? How could God allow? How could the people not, you know, turn and repent? How could this great destruction come to Jerusalem? It's an interesting title. There's a picture I'd like you to put on the board, and this is a picture painted by Rembrandt um, centuries ago. And... Uh, Rembrandt pictures this guy, Jeremiah, in the edge of a grotto, sort of like a little cave. After he finishes his book of Jeremiah, those 40 dec four decades of faithful service, as a weeping watchman, I'll call him. He goes out to the grotto, and he's sitting there, and look at, how, look at his face. Look, look at this 70, 80-year-old man in despair, 
I like his beard. I think that all biblical characters and ministers should have beards, by the way. But um, there he is, his, you know, hat's off, and he's in that pose of, wow, I'm devastated. I'm broken up. I'm so confused. I'm so disillusioned. I'm so, you know, whatever it is. I think you see it right there. And Rembrandt has captured that. And if you were to have this little booklet of Lamentations put in a little book and you were to take it out of your, you know, uh, your briefcase, I think that would be a beautiful sort of title page for the, for the book, a beautiful cover with the word Jeremiah, written by Jeremiah. Lamentations, brokenness, mourning, weeping, lamenting. And there's, uh, there's Jeremiah. Now, if you would open up that book to the dust cover, the inside cover, as you sometimes do, you all have a standard operational procedure when you find a new book or read a new book. Kind of look at the title, look at it, look at the author's name. Did he write anything else I know about? Um, what's the title? What does that mean? What's this book going to be about? You open up the cover and you look down there and you go, okay, this book is about a prophet lamenting the destruction of his of his people and their land and their, and their temple and their religious certainty. And wow, that, that's something else. In, in that dust cover, you would also read maybe a recommendation from somebody else. And there's a guy named Thomas um, Obadiah. There is, that's a great name. Thomas Obadiah Krishom, who wrote, Great is Thy Faithfulness. That's a great hymn. How many of you know Great is Thy Faithfulness? Worldwide best hymn, right? Great is thy faithfulness. If there was a dust cover and there was written in there a word from a friend recommending that you read this book, Obadiah would say, this book inspired me to write one of the best-known hymns of all time, Great is thy faithfulness. It's pretty amazing. You might read down the dust cover a little bit more and you'd say another recommendation and it would come from the Lord Jesus Christ. And you would say, wow, Jesus is recommending Lamentations? That's very interesting. Jesus would say, you know what? When I looked at the city and I looked at the devastation and I look at the people who were blind to the spiritual needs and spiritual realities of their day and his day, I lamented like Jeremiah lamented. I understand lamentations. I understand what it's like to grieve because people are broken and they don't get it. And Jesus would probably recommend this book to us this little booklet I'm calling Lamentations. Now, we've been studying Lamentations for a little while. There's five little chapters. Uh, You can call them poems. You can call them, someone has called them dirges. You know, dirges, sort of like funeral dirges. Really heavy. And if you've been reading through Lamentations, you'll realize that there's a lot of pain and reality and suffering and deep grief expressed there. Um, It's just intense. And so, there's five of these books. They're all organized. They're called, you know, some of them are organized actually in an acrostic, an alphabetical acrostic. And so Jeremiah, as deeply wounded as he was and deeply in despair and disillusionment as he was, he still had enough capacity to say, I want to write this in a way that people remember it. And so we still have this little book called Lamentations um, for our good, for our benefit, for the opportunity for us to look at it and reflect on it. And what I'm saying today is, Jeremiah, in the book of Lamentations, tells us how to live in the land of in-between. So this morning, if you're one of those people who feels like you're living in the land of in-between, in-between a rock and a hard place, (laughs) 
Some people call it uh, in transition. That's a nice way of saying it with work and related employment. But you're in between. If you're a person and you say, well, I know, I'm, I'm living in the meantime, you understand what I'm saying. You're in that place, in between, and you don't have complete certainty about things, and in fact, you have a whole lot of confusion. Um, this morning, what I'd like to do is, uh, is talk about prayer. And uh, I've, over the years, uh, had the opportunity to read a lot about prayer and to share a lot about prayer and to obviously pray a lot of prayers. <laughs> it's always a good thing, too. Uh, but uh, for a number of years, there was an acrostic. It was an acrostic called the Acts Acrostic. Some of you remember that. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And uh, that would sort of give some order and focus to people when they were praying. And so if you were a new Christian, you came to faith in Christ, and you said, how should I pray? Someone would say, well, just begin talking to God. Well, what should I say? And someone would say, well, begin with adoring God. Begin with the focus, as we did this morning, on who God is and what God is about. And then go to confession, because you are human, I am human. Keep a short list of this stuff in your life and confess those things. And then thanksgiving. Fabulous. Thank God for the things he's doing. And then the S is for supplication or supply. The things you need, have need of. And uh, I think that's a beautiful little prayer reminder, a little pattern for prayer. Um, but what I have done is I've read Lamentations now for the last number of years, and I've, for the last six months, pretty intensely, and actually studied the book of Lamentations along with the book of Psalms. Uh, the book of Psalms has these, these little poems in it called laments, lament psalms. There are individual lament psalms where the, where the psalmist says, you know, I'm really bummed out because I'm feeling this. It's very personal. And then there's other lament psalms in the, in the book of Psalms where the psalmist is saying, this is a, nat a national disgrace. This is a communal lament. And he, he laments for everybody. And everybody has a sense of this is all bad. And they come to God and they lament. Well, Jeremiah in this book of Lamentations comes to God and he laments. Now, someone said, what is lament? And I said, well, for one thing, it could be, you know, lament. It could be the new Spanish lifesaver, lifesaver you know. So, lament, lament. So, sorry, okay. Um, some people could say, you know, it could be um, the lame New Testament, the lame translation of, a, of the New Testament. So, the lament, there you go. Anyway, there's no humor here, okay, so let's move right along. <laughs> You guys are so into lamenting that you just don't want to laugh right now. Okay. So, so what I would like to do today is, you know, when I try to do, uh, you know, a little word on the board, uh, sometimes it's oversimplifying, you would say. But I'm trying to communicate to you that when you're living in the land of in-between, like Jeremiah was, with all of the brokenness, there is something you can do about that. The answer, prayer. And uh, if I can, I'm going to walk you through maybe a little prayer acrostic, different from the Acts one, but a, a new one for some of us. And this may be the prayer that you pray when you're living in the land of in-between. Lament. Listen with me if I talk to you about how we might pray when we're going through some tough stuff. 
And uh, perhaps if you have a journal or you're taking notes, uh, this can lead you along because this is a, a powerful lesson, I think, from the Lament Psalms, but also from the Book of Lamentations. One of the key things that uh, Jeremiah teaches us is that in the middle of our desperation and our despair, you can lean on God. And uh, for those of you that have read the book of Lamentations, there's five chapters there. Um, there's a lot of heavy stuff, without a doubt. He's looking around at the circumstances, and he's not lying about the circumstances. He's completely honest. But one thing he does is he focuses on God. He's what we call God-centric. He's not circumstance-centric in the sense that only one thing can be center in your mind when you're thinking. And the one thing that's center for him is God, even in the pain and even in the despair. He leans into or leans on God. Now, in the book of Lamentations, there are perhaps three or four different pictures of God. Uh, one picture of God is the God who is the God of, of uh, you know, justice, the God who judges people for doing things that are wrong. But that is part of God's character. And he focuses on God's character. In the midst of all this stuff, he focuses on who is God. God is a just God. We're suffering because we have sinned against God, and he is chastening us or correcting us, and he is just to do that. That's who he, that's who he sees. He's centering on God, and he's saying God is just. That's what I know about God. The next thing he's saying in the third chapter of Lamentations is God is faithful. And I think we covered this last time we were together talking about Lamentations. John covered this. The Hebrew word for God's faithfulness is the word hesed. And that's the word that people use to describe this covenantal thing that joins us and God together. Faithfulness. Now, what you begin to think about is God is in the covenant with us, and sometimes we are faithless. We are the weak part of this particular arrangement. I think you'd agree. We are the weak part that sometimes we're not faithful but faithless, but God, because He is God and because God is love, the hesed relates to God's loyal love, His capacity to love us in a loyal, faithful, completely consistent, continuous way expresses this said this faithfulness in this covenant with us. And so that even when we are faithless, he is not. He is faithful. So that's where this uh, hymn is written, out of the context of God is faithful, loyally loving. He will never walk away from us. And if you're in a place living in the land of in-between and you're saying, how should I pray? Where should I focus? A couple things you should focus on right away is who God is leaning into God, leaning on God, and saying, God, you are just. God, you are faithful. And later on in chapter 5, Jeremiah says, God is in control. God is, he uses the word sovereign. Sovereign is a word that, that relates to a person's capacity to, to judge and to keep everything the way it's supposed to be. And God is that God. And so as he begins to lean into this this uh, expression of his deep pain. I always think of 52 chapters in the book of Jeremiah and then punctuated at the end with a book of Lamentations. And this is his deep grief. And in the middle of that, he turns, not to people around him and not to his own soul, but he turns to God and he says, God, I see you even though I'm struggling in the middle of all this stuff. Pretty significant. The first 
if you will, step or at least element related to how we can pray when we're living in the land of in-between. This is short form for acknowledge, okay? I'm not going to write acknowledge out here. Um, but uh, the second very significant thing about uh, if you reflect on Jeremiah and what he teaches us about prayer is that he teaches us that it's okay to acknowledge our pain. And again, you would say, well, that's okay. That's being authentic today. That's what we use the word authentic. But uh, I'm here to tell you that there's a lot of people who, when you ask them how they're doing, they say, fine. They don't want to talk about how they're really doing. And they might even suppose that to talk to a powerful, loving, all-knowing God about how they really feel might in somehow, in some way, be offensive to Him. So they're reluctant to say, God, this is what I'm truly feeling. Instead of saying, I'm fine, they say, I'm feeling this. And if you're going to be an honest Christian, authentic Christian, a person who's going to be able to walk through this land of in-between and stay, stay uh, sane, then you have to be honest about the pain. You have to be honest about what's really going on. And so every once in a while, in one of the sessions that I have with people, I'll say to them, have you ever thought about writing out a loss list? A loss list, what's that? Well, that's the stuff that you've lost. Have you ever thought about acknowledging that pain, the things you've lost? And I did a little research project in the Book of Lamentations, and Jeremiah lists numerous things that he has lost and that the people have lost and that have been lost. And that's the focus of what's going on. It's very emotional. Loss is very emotional because when you love something and you lose it, it hurts you like crazy. And loss is a very deep experience. And so in this, in this letter, it's sort of heavy. I think that's why most people sort of you know, they do their little standard operational procedure where they look at the book and then they look at the first part of the book and it says, you know, the city's in despair, the first verse. Oh, this looks tough. And then they go to the back of the, the book and they look at the last verse and it says, and I think God has left us, left us alone and he's angry with us. And they go, oh my goodness, this is tough. And we don't like to look at the loss list. Nobody does, but we have to. And that's what Jeremiah models and exemplifies is it's okay to be honest with God about your stuff. He can handle it. He can take it. I was listening to a speaker this uh, week, and he talked about uh, the children of Israel in the, uh, um, in the wilderness. And he, and he basically said that they complained to God, and God judged them for complaining. And so I listened very carefully. And at the same time, you have to understand, I'm doing research for this morning, and I'm listening to Job and Jeremiah and Jesus express deep feeling about something that they were heard about. And so what, what is this? Well, there's a, there's a complaining that is very humble. There's a complaining that you, can, that you can complain to God. You can talk to God and say, Lord, I'm, I'm feeling unhappy about this. But when that complaining turns from humble complaining to, if you, if you will, uh, harmful complaining, is when you turn a corner is when instead of just expressing your ignorance about a situation, you begin to express your arrogance about a situation. Instead of complaining to God, you begin to complain about God. And there's a line you cross or a corner you turn, and that can be very devastating. But expressing your stuff as honestly as you possibly can and acknowledging your pain 
in the process of this living in the land of in-between is actually recommended. It's called honesty. I don't know how you spell memorialize in the morning right now. It's very early on a, on a Sunday. Um, but let me talk about this a little bit. One of the next things that uh, Jeremiah does and, and the psalmist does in the Ment Psalms is they memorialize the past. When they're thinking about the situation that they're in and the struggle that they're having, they always look back at what God has done, the blessings that God has given to them in the past. And this is true for them. It can be true for you. Have you ever been in a situation living in the land of in-between and you sort of look back and say, but God brought me to himself. God led me in my early spiritual walk. God provided this particular event to happen. God has been faithful so much in my past. God, it, there's mounting evidence as you look back at your past that God has been faithful to you. And that's a good thing to do. Uh, there's a great book uh, recommended to me by a good friend called The Present. And uh, The Present is an interesting book. The Present starts to talk about how God has given us the present, the now. And that's what he's given us. The past is what sometimes steals our energy for the present, and the future, similarly, sometimes captivates our energy and steals our ability to focus on the now, the present. But every once in a while, it's good to look back to the past and to learn from the past and to acknowledge that the past has places of great blessing and, if you will, punctuation marks of God's faithfulness in our lives up to this point. And if you haven't done that for a while, you need to do that as well. You need to begin to think about, okay, where has God been working in my life, and how can I account for the fact that he has been so good to me? And that's really important that you learn to do that, that I learn to do that, especially when I'm living in the land in between. He is for express your request. And I don't know if you uh, can relate to this, um, but when I was, uh, many years ago, when I was working in a situation, I was really struggling with some stuff, I think a friend came to me and he said, Wayne, how you doing? And I went, I'm not doing, I'm not doing very well. You know, all this kind of stuff. And uh, with some great wisdom as a mentor only could have, he said, Wayne, have you ever thought to pray about that? And I kind of looked at him like, and, and he was a great guy, so he wasn't trying to embarrass me. But I just said, good question. <laughs> I don't have a good answer. No, I haven't thought about or I haven't actually prayed about that. Well, if you read through the Lament Psalms and you read through the Book of Lamentations, you will find Jeremiah saying, Lord, we need all of this destruction to stop. That's his request. That's what he needs. I need this to stop. Lord, I need you to come back and to lead us out of this mess. Lord, I need you to judge my enemies. He has some specific requests. And it's very interesting. When you're living in the land of in-between, you might think to yourself, what do I really want? Well, most of us at first glance, we say, I want out. <laughs> so we say, God, I want out. And we're being honest, so we say, please let me out. And then later on we say, well, okay, if I can't get out, I want you to help me Stay strong through it. Could you provide some strength for me, some hope for me, some, some capacity for me to step through this stuff? So we begin to pray about provision. 
Sometimes you begin to pray and say, Lord, I need to be protected as I'm walking through this nonsense because I'm tempted to do some stupid things. Protect me. I don't know what, when you're living in your land of, in between what your requests are, but be specific. Begin to talk to God about what it is that you really need from him. Ask from him. You know, I was with a friend earlier this week, and he says, I've been so faithful to God, and I've been so trusting God, and none of this is working out. And I sat across the table, and I went, wow, he's being honest. He's, he's talking about God. He's acknowledging his pain. He's saying, you know, God's been faithful in the past. But right now, what does he need? And he said to me in this little encounter, I need to know that I can trust God. I mean, really. And I said, well, there's your prayer request. God, help me trust you in the land of in-between. Um, occasionally, and this is true in most of our lives, as we work through some of the struggles that we have, we need to navigate our stuff. And uh, I don't want to be too specific here because everybody has different stuff. But sometimes when I'm in the land between, it's because I've made a mistake, I've, I've made a misjudgment in my thinking process, and I'm in a situation uh, because of a mistake I've made. Jeremiah in the Book of Lamentations says, Lord, we're getting what we deserve because we've sinned against you. Our sin is like a big rope around our neck. It's our sin that has yoked us into this suffering. And there are times when that is true. However, I don't want to suggest that that's true every time you're in the land of in-between. Sometimes it could be somebody else's sin against you it has nothing to do with your own personal choice or your own personal sin. Uh, sometimes there's just things going on in your life. For example, with forgiveness. Uh, you're a husband and you're trying to be faithful to your wife. Um, but you're struggling to forgive your wife for something that she's done in the past. And you say to yourself, how can I be a loving leader husband in my home if I don't forgive my wife? And the answer is you can't. So you have to navigate some of your stuff, sometimes unforgiveness, sometimes bitterness, sometimes sin, uh, sometimes the acti activity of the enemy, sometimes the activity of a few of your enemies messes you up, and you have to you have to work through some of that stuff. But God, in His grace, comes alongside and, and leans into you and wonderfully works. And the last little step I'm going to have you think about is the word trust. And I am so impressed with Jeremiah. I can't tell you how impressed I am with him. Um, here's a man who, like I say, for four decades gets to deliver the bad news as a faithful servant of God, a prophet of God, a weeping watchman. He can see the problems developing, coming, and there is going to be judgment. And it breaks his heart, and he goes to tell people, and they say, get out of our face. Tough life. And then he's sitting there, if you will, in that grotto after the, you know, all the stuff has fallen apart, all the destruction has taken place, and he writes that book of Lamentations. And in the end, there is this lingering thing called hope. And it's really powerful. Now, for some people, hope is, I don't know, just I hope so, right? 
But you get the impression with Jeremiah and with these Old Testament saints of God that the hope was actually something that God gave them. But God gave it to them as people trusted him. There's sort of a, a dynamic going on. It's really interesting that a person of faith makes a vow, it's a pretty serious word, a vow or a declaration or a commitment to trust God even when they're living in the land of in-between. Now, it's easy before you get to the land of in-between and the land of, you know, coming up next uh, to say, I hope and trust in God. Of course I do. And it's easy when you get to the other side to be able to say, you know, this all worked out and thank God I can hope in Him. Correct? (laughs) But when you're in the land of in-between and you say to yourself, I will resolve to trust in God. I will hope in Him alone. That's really hard to do. And we could go for hours talking about about hope. I don't have hours, but, but a couple of ideas that I think are really important for us. In our generation, I know in my generation and the generation coming, hope is sort of this thing that you have right now that you sense because everything's going well. Right or wrong? I mean, that's something that people give you the impression that hope is a a joyful feeling you have because life is great. But in the Bible, hope is not about the experience of God's goodness. Now listen to me. Hope is about the hope in the experience of God's goodness. There's something that hasn't been delivered in the present and it's still future and there's this tension. It's, it's It's a creative tension. It's a a life-transforming tension, that life is not the way it's supposed to be right now, but you hope and have hope that it will be because God is who God is, because you trust Him. Not the circumstances that surround you, but the God who's in control. And it's really powerful. And so here is uh, Jeremiah in the Book of Lamentations saying, we will hope in God. I mean, for a lot of people, for all intents and purposes, Jeremiah has just witnessed the destruction of the people of God and the end of the story. His his eyes, he's looking at what he can see, the visible things he can see, and the game's over. And for some wild reason, this very faithful, loving, weeping, watchman, faithful prophet guy says, we've lost this game, but I have hope in the next God is still God. Really powerful. And uh, that's where we go. Here's what I'm going to suggest. Um, Take this little lament prayer acrostic, and when you're going through things, and when you're feeling like you have nowhere to turn, just stop and think about lamenting to God in a language that makes sense. I call it sacred sorrow that in some way in your sorrow you bring God into it and it's a, it's a thing you have, a dynamic that you experience with Him. And I would pray that uh, for most of us as we continue to read the book of Lamentations, you'll begin to look at Lamentations as a prayer journal, as a prayer prompting. Uh, again, the first, the second, the third chapters, and the fifth chapter is a complete prayer, but it's all about prayer. And I would encourage you in your prayer time to begin to think about how you might come to God honestly, hopefully, 
lovingly, thankfully, and uh, begin to grow in your, in your prayer experience with God. Um, the one thing I wanted to say at the end, I, I had much more to say, but there's one thing I wanted to say at the end, is when I talk about an Old Testament saint named Jeremiah, I always think, oh, we're going to get lost in the Old Testament. Some people love to be lost in the Old Testament. I personally don't. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I like to think about how Jeremiah relates to Jesus. And if you want to do a study, do a study on how significant it is that Jeremiah and Jesus, brothers in the Lord, if you will, uh, have so much in common. Jesus would lament in the garden to Gethsemane. He would lean into his father. He would acknowledge honestly his pain. He would acknowledge God's faithfulness in his life. He would express his request and actually, you know, your will be done. He would navigate through the stuff of his life, the challenges and the burdens that, that he experienced. And ultimately, he would say, Father, I hope in you. I trust in you. I will go to this cross. I will die on this cross. And you will complete the story. And you will be faithful. And I will hope in you. That's pretty amazing. And that's our Lord and Savior. And that's uh, the one that we look to and we, we love in a relationship with him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to share a little bit about uh, prayer and how, uh, how through those middle sections in our life in the times of in-between, how we see your faithfulness. And Lord, we pray that we would uh, begin to know you in those places. Uh, that in those darkest of places, we would be able to see the absolute brilliance of your beautiful character, that you would pull us towards you. Um, Lord, help us to focus. Uh, help us to do that disciplined work of focusing on you in the middle of stuff. Help us to be honest, brutally honest. Help us to be uh, aware of your faithfulness and your kindness and your goodness. Uh, help us, Lord, to trust you and to follow you and to keep, keep uh, hoping in you uh, even when on the, on the uh, face value, things appear really confusing. Help us to make those vows of hope and trust today uh, as we stand where we stand, as we sit where we sit in this land of in-between. Would you bless us and encourage us and use us, uh, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more teaching, info, or to give financially, please visit us at our website, crotherscreek.ca.